0: Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D H A R M A Media.com. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we are talking about free thinking. And free thinking is such a staple of our whole DPO philosophy. As we go through this world, as we work on ourselves, we're always trying to learn new things. We want to be open to new ideas, open to new ways of seeing the world, because as we've talked about, life is all about strategy. So the better strategy we have for dealing with different situations, the more effective we can be, uh, the easier it is for us uh, to get through life, Uh, the more time we free up to do the things that we want to do. So we always want to approach life with that open mind and consider different points of view. That doesn't mean that we have to be swayed, but we at least need to be open to it. And as we go through time, we refine the way that we think. I look at the way that I think about a lot of things. It's changed pretty significantly. And I also don't hold on to ideas as tightly as I once did. Or maybe I hold on to them while that's the best idea, but I'm always looking for ways to refine uh, that point of view. And if something better comes along, I'm happy to say, okay, forget about the old way. Let's go to something that works better. And so the advantage of doing that, as we just talked about, is you can be more effective in life, but two, you can be less anxious because a lot of times when we're not open to new ideas, we're fighting against what we see right in front of our face. So there's reality and our ideas about life conflict with reality, but we're not lo- willing to let go of them because they form our identity. So it's part of our ego. And because of that, there's this conflict between what we believe and what we see and what we know at some level to be true. Uh, So the visceral experience versus the intellectual experience. And that just creates a lot of anxiety, tension, anger. It leads to people fighting. It leads to people feeling like they're being attacked personally just because someone's got a different point of view. And it it creates a lot of problems. So we want to avoid all of that. We want to be in this free-thinking, fluid mindset. But the way that we're going to start up and open this conversation is a little bit different. And we're going to talk about some of the challenges of being a free thinker. So it's interesting to me, Z, because free thought has, it has always been under attack. I mean, there's always someone who's threatened by new ideas about the world, even if those ideas are correct, uh, because it undermines your power. It undermines your understanding of yourself. Uh, maybe your idea of the world gives you a certain amount of control. And if something new comes along, then you have to give up that control So we can go as far back as Galileo and his view of the solar system, he was shut down back in the day. If we look at more recent examples, we talked about McCarthyism. So you go back to the 50s, and if you were pissed off at someone and wanted to open an FBI investigation against them, all you had to do was say that, oh, they're a communist. Oh, my God, they're a communist. Uh, So now suddenly they're in the penalty box, and everything that they say, everything they believe is discredited, it's tainted even if it makes sense, and even if it is a better way of understanding reality, we're not even gonna listen to them because they might be a communist. So that was one way that uh, people used to shut down unpopular points of view, or I shouldn't say unpopular, but points of view that threatened whatever ideology they were promoting. And then we go forward and you can look at a lot of different examples, but the ones that I've seen in my lifetime that I'm pretty aware of, uh, we go to the Iraq war in 2003, And I remember at the time, this was in the wake of 9-11, a couple of years after 9-11, the US wanted someone to blame. And we had George Bush Sr. who'd gotten into Iraq back in the 90s and had failed to get rid of Saddam Hussein. So maybe George Bush Jr. had some chip on his shoulder. Maybe Cheney had a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Maybe, uh, I guess, Rumsfeld was part of the crew as well. So they might have had personal reasons for wanting to go to war. But the official reason was weapons of mass destruction. Oh my God, Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and he's going to use chemical weapons against the Kurds. I mean, the irony of this is that I think Iran used chemical weapons. again. It was either Iran, I might be getting this wrong, but back in the 80s, chemical weapons were used and the U.S. didn't care at all because it happened to be in a situation that supported U.S. interests. Uh, But now suddenly Saddam might have weapons of mass destruction and this is such a threat even though there was no evidence of weapons of mass destruction. Uh, and even at the time, I remember this sounded so incredibly fake. I mean, it was just such a thin story, but it was blanketed. It was like the entire news media came out with this point of view. And anyone who opposed it was called a was called unpatriotic. Oh, you're sympathizing with the terrorists. You, you must love Osama bin Laden. You must love Muslims. You must want to break, bring down the the United States of America. And so all dissent was shut down and we go in and we wage this war, costs a trillion dollars, It costs hundreds of thousands of civilian lives, puts an entire region in complete chaos, led to the rise of ISIS. Um, but it all occurred because we collectively weren't willing to listen to other points of view. And if we fast forward from there and look at what's happened just in the last four or five years, even less than that, I guess the last two or three years, it's almost like this cancel culture or this, this attempt to shut down dissent has reached entirely new levels. Uh, we see this in the culture wars, we see this in college campuses where certain professors are fired because they express unpopular points of view. Uh, we saw this during COVID, so as we talked about, there was pushback from some people about vaccines, uh, whether the speed at which vaccines were approved. Uh, raised some red flags, whether vaccines had long-term side effects. Even if you think they didn't, how would you know? Because they've only been around for a year and it's a new technology that that hasn't been rolled out in the past. But all this was, was shut down. So dissent was shut down. People were losing their social media accounts for even raising the question. And now a couple of years later, a lot of what people were concerned about is being openly discussed. But it's too late because we've all gone through vaccinations. Uh, Then you look at the Ukraine war, and again, it's the same drive. We have to support Ukraine at all costs. Russia is evil. We cannot even imagine talking to Putin. He's a madman. He's a dictator. Anyone who wants to come to terms with him must be equally insane. Uh, To me, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's basically saying that we're never going to get to a peaceful resolution. There's no way you can achieve peace by labeling someone else a madman. Uh, The only way to deal with them then is to destroy them which is effectively what we're doing. So we've gotten into this conflict, and this is leading to mass starvation. Tens of millions of people are going to die around the world because of food shortages. There's inflation around the world. Uh, People are having trouble paying their bills because gas prices have gone up so much. You look at Europe, the price of natural gas has gone up four or five times. Government deficits are exploding because certain countries are subsidizing energy purchases, this is a big grain on the economy. We are now living under the threat of nuclear war. So there's really no upside to all this, except that there's just this ideology that certain groups are pushing, and they've effectively shut down dissent. So not only can you not debate this, in some cases, unless you actively pledge your allegiance to a certain ideology, you're canceled or you're fired. I mean, this to me was insane. At the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, People lost their jobs, not because they were supporting Ukraine, but because they refused to denounce Russia. So there were conductors in Germany, Russian conductors, and they refused to come out and say that we hate Putin. So they were actually fired, not for what they said, but for what they didn't say, which to me is taking cancel culture to another level. Uh, We've seen this more recently with Kanye and and, uh, Kyrie Irving's comments. Uh, There's a lot of sensitivity around anti-Semitism, but again, some of what they're saying isn't even anti-Semitic, it's just saying there happens to be a book that exists that covers a certain point of view, uh, which is what Kyrie Irving said. Uh, but because of that, uh, he's now lost his job playing basketball. Uh, again, not even for things that he said, but just, just uh, I don't even know what, what would you would call this. It's, it's all so strange, uh, just because he's pointed to a book that exists and pointed to the existence of another point of view. But that's so threatening that we've collectively shut that down. And this isn't to say what points of view are right or wrong. So we're not here to pick sides. We're not here to to take points of view about vaccines or about anti-Semitism or any of these issues. It's more to say that if we want to function in this world and we want to function effectively and we want to evolve as quickly as possible as human beings, we need to be in that fluid, free-thinking mindset. But the challenge is that there's so many obstacles. We've talked about the historical obstacles. They seem to be getting worse and worse. So today's discussion, we're going to talk a bit about what those challenges are, how we navigate those challenges, and how how we can really maintain that mindset of free thinking and how that's going to benefit us. So it's a lot to cover. But Z, maybe you can kick us off and just talk about why it, it becomes so difficult. I mean, why is it so hard to be a free thinker? Why is that so threatening?
1: Well... It's kind of obvious, Vin, and we look at the recent history of humanity. And you are rewarded, in a sense, there's a sense that you're rewarded for going along. People used to always say, just go along with it. Just go along with this and you'll get by. Or just fall in. Or maybe don't be noticed. Just get in the middle of the herd and everything will work out in your life. You won't have real Exciting days, but you won't have real difficult days. So you're really uh, building your whole life based on the, a low baseline. I just don't want anything that's troubling to go on in my life. So either overtly or um, subtly, we get these hints and messages from people in our lives. And for the sake of, let's say you're a corporatist or you're uh, some sort of person that needs mass labor, or your government, something like that, you don't want a lot of free-thinking people around. Especially like, say, you're in the military, you're in in some sort of institutional setting, you don't want free-thinkers questioning you, uh, questioning the morality or whatever you're doing, and then you bring that back to general life, and we we want a lot of minion, we want a lot of these kinds of non-thinkers, so that we can, those that think, can build their plan. They can manipulate the non-thinkers and achieve whatever goals they have. So we can look at many examples of that. In in, uh, nature, you have the lemmings that just will suddenly be startled and run, and a hundred of them will run off a cliff or run into a a stream or whatever, and a few lemmings will stop and say, what the hell's going on? There's no reason to run. And they're left to repopulate the whole uh, herd of lemmings. On the other hand, you look at behavior of people. One of my personal heroes, as you know, is Muhammad Ali, and I've told the story of Muhammad Ali many times, but you think about, in short, not getting so into him, he became the most well-known face on planet Earth, whether people liked him or not, because he stood up for what he believed. Think about that. He died, the most recognized face on planet Earth, for doing something that seems pretty simple. Not only did he stand by what he believed, but he stood by what he believed while under pressure, extraordinary pressure, with his livelihood being stolen away from him at the prime of his career. But he never submitted to the people that said, just get along, just do what we told. Now, it's funny how people will still hold on to that. So for the people that hated Ali, or they hated, let's say, uh, the Vietnam War protesters. Let's say they hated all those people. They hated the civil rights people. They, They really didn't like any of these kinds of troublemakers, so to say. Yet many people benefited from the sacrifices of those people. But they will still say, I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. I waited, let them do the heavy lifting. And that is the easier path. That is the, the path that is less encumbered. That's, uh, that's the easy flow. And so you think about people like Muhammad Ali, who were, became world-known for simply his word, his word being having integrity. Then you look now at the government as we know it, as politicians. None of them are trustworthy. They will say and do whatever they need to do to enrich their position and they become local heroes. You have people that run around with their bumper stickers and promoting one politician over another. And we're, we're honoring them because they say what we want to hear. They don't really do anything. There are unseen hands behind them. They're actually pushing agendas and legislation. But we get caught up in that, we get mad. There are families that don't speak uh, to each other anymore because of the last election. So we can look at at many examples of the value and the liability of free thinking. You hear uh, a lot now that we talk about cancel culture. As you mentioned earlier, it's not a new thing. McCarthyism was a form of cancel culture. You mentioned Galileo and way back in the day, the people who said the earth was round, uh, They oftentimes they were marginalized or even murdered for simply stating uh, their view of things or, or breaking from a common or conventional way of speaking. So there is a liability to that, but there's a great reward for it too, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment, but I want us to think about The different situations that are arising now that we can point out, but they've always been around. They're not new. We talked a little bit about um, this whole idea of uh, people's health. Like there was a a, a issue years ago where a lot of women were looking at fashion magazines and feeling like they weren't pretty enough. So they became anorexia. They had a disease called anorexia nervosa and they had body dysmorphic disorder. Where you look in the mirror, and whatever you see, is is grossly out of proportion. What it is? Well, we all have that, right? You look in the mirror. Are you really happy with your body, or do you want to work on something? I think that's kind of a normal thing for people to do. It's just when you overly obsess about it, and you you don't take any action, or you don't uh, have a limit to what that is, or you're never a day when you look and say, "Hey, I look great," or "I feel great," or "I'm okay with me." So. I was talking to Kaylin and, and and she was mentioning heroin chic which is a, a way of insulting skinny people i think or people who were fit and this is a real i'm just saying because you don't mention twiggy if you don't mention twiggy you can't really talk about heroin chic well, or, or, you said people being
0: fit but twiggy is not fit she doesn't have No
1: business. my point being is that nowadays we're real quick to demean certain people if that's in if that's okay to be in so right now the whole body positive thing is in so people are kind of shaming people that are fit in a in a weird way but the where that came that's nothing new so Twiggy came out and she was she weighed 99 pounds I think that was a big deal she's in the magazine and, and and the day before Twiggy you had more of a Marilyn Monroe uh Jane Mansfield Uh, curvy girl body kind of thing going on that was the model and they had other things about it They, they talked about a person's personality they talked about the package the package was a really big deal a woman who was the whole package she had the nice curvy body she had a great attitude she could cook and do all this other stuff and could every now and then tell a dirty joke that was like a big deal that was like the whole package and then men who had no interest in women became the icons of the fashion industry. So their idea of a beautiful woman looked more like a boy, some kind of boy, right? They had a symmetrical body uh, and things like that. And so they were the ones behind the camera, they were running the media and things like that. And so they promoted a view of beauty. So for people who were consuming that, who weren't free thinkers, they, they said that was in. They used to have a term, I'm in with the in crowd. There was an actual term. What's in today? People would say that, hey, what's hip? They even had a song, what's hip? So you're asking people, what's current? What should I be a part of? What do I need to know so that I can be in with the in crowd? So we're going way back to the 60s and 70s where this mindset, so it's not a new thing. It's just been put on steroids through technology. But for free thinkers, they never the needle never moved for them. They watched this circus go on and they just did them. And what happens is you tend to be on the margins of society when you're not in with the in crowd. And when you're marginalized, your resources are different. You have different resources. You understand you can't drink from the same well. You can't sit at the same table. That requires a certain type of character. Thus is why the world revered Muhammad Ali. One of the reasons. And I say revered because many people who hate him begrudgingly will acknowledge, well, he was true to himself. And they aren't. They are still slaves to the in-crowd, whatever that in-crowd is. So um, I, I just feel like the more that you practice being that dispassionate observer, the more you will find that you have to be of sound mind and body, you have to be of clear mental health, so you can steward yourself around these these kind of obstacles and these adversaries of free thought. You'll have them in your own family. I really, uh, we were saying earlier, I really avoid uh, religious discussions with people, I can tell. I'll have clients or somebody starts talking and they'll say certain things in a certain way and you'll know, okay, I need to diffuse this conversation in order to continue to have human commerce with this person. So when they say, oh, this is my Lord and Savior, you know, I'm the Chosen, uh, Muhammad is the only way, whatever it is they're saying, you can, kind of, okay, let's see how we can start steering our boat away from that rocky shore, right? You know what I'm saying, Caleb. And if you don't, you'll find yourself in conflict. And in conflict, you find yourself making enemies, spending a lot of energy dealing with rejection, with anger. It's not good for your health. It's better that you learn to navigate around these people, meet them where you can, get distance where you can't. So you find that everybody knows the religious one. Then you have the politics of the day. I know and I've said to you that not some, but all politicians score high on the scale of sociopath and psychopath. So you have a lunatic and a a crazy person. This is what you're voting for. It's not Democrat or Republican, a lunatic and an insane person, or an idiot, a moron and an imbecile. These are your choices. And if you get caught up in that, you become like the very thing that you don't want to be. So I say, you have to opt out of that. You can't be waving flags for these different people. They're not what they think. They will all leave their office wealthier. They will all leave society suffering. They will all leave you angry and bitter and disappointed. If one side wins, the other side loses. So the whole game is 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 rigged in a way that there are no real grander social benefits. Everybody loses. So in order for me to win, you have to lose and I have to suffer uh, for you to be happy. That's a problem itself. So we have to navigate our way away from that. I talk to people about their health on a regular basis and they're so quick to assign health issues to genetics. Oh, it's genetics just through a a whim of fate, a moment of lust. I'm, I'm strapped to these genetics, and I'm just gonna no, 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 no. You're not. Your DNA has to be um, triggered. It has to be expressed for you to show certain benefits or, or, or liabilities to your uh, parent, who your parents were. So I'm telling people, no, no. Look at things that they did that you inherited them from culturally. What did you inherit from your family culturally that could? maybe not have a benefit. I was talking to uh, some people I know who were from a certain part of Africa that had been gone through famine and so forth. So a generation ago they had survived famine. So when they come and they work, they're really great workers when they travel, uh, they they migrate, they work their ass off. I mean they work and produce like no one else. They do great in school, they do all that, but they, they were never told that the famine was over. So they act like people who are about to be immersed in famine. So they hustle, hustle, go, grind, grind. So they all have hypertension, high blood pressure, right? They all age relatively rapidly after their 30th birthday and they encounter tremendous health issues. So I was discussing with them, I said, you know, we're free now, you're not in the famine anymore. And I tell them the thing that I tell everybody, doing something and doing nothing is equally important and one of the family members who was very uh, brilliant, intelligent, she closed her eyes and she thought about it and she said that you're absolutely right. We have no mechanism for rest and relaxation. We move the same way we moved 30 years ago during the famine, constantly looking for a meal, constantly fighting to make it through the day, constantly burying the dead. So these features of their lifestyle benefited them then in crises, but it has it's killing them now. But in order to say that, you have to move through pride, um, kind of patriotism, uh, tribalism. You have to deal with all those kinds of things that would prevent you from being an observer of what you're doing, to be have even a healthy critique of what you're doing. And so what we, we know that when we start to think for ourselves, it's often a lonely place and it will take a very hardy soul to deal with the loneliness. So you want to build yourself up to a greater tolerance. Know when to cut off inconsequential dogma or nonsensical conversations with people and trying to make sense of them. Know when you can take no more, but also do it. with grace you have a a crazy uh, aunt or crazy uncle or relatives that starts talking politics Uh, you don't want to enlighten them or teach them anything or point out facts or 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 show them uh, uh, other streams of information you just listen with say, oh i appreciate that's that's interesting and how can i get out of here that's what you want to how to get out of here keeping that relationship intact and if you do that you will find that you were able to turn the tables on stress and turn it more into a game of strategy. I just want to get along with you because you're a beloved family member or familiar or whatever and and I want us to have meet in a place where we can meet. Um you don't share somebody's views. Um it's okay. They're just views. Now if they start planning on, you know, blowing up stuff or things like that, you might have to take more drastic measures. But less than that, you can navigate around them without alienating them or without losing the support of that family member. Some of the kindest and most generous people you will meet hold very bizarre views of the world based on how they perceive things and the narrative they have to conceptualize it. So we know that free thinking is good for the brain. It stirs up the brain in a a healthy way it's good for the different regions of our brain because it keeps us present. Anxiety is is lowered. Um, your body's relationship, that neurohumoral response is healthier. The body viscera is healthier because you're living in the present and you're living in a in in your pursuit of truth. And that's that will help with the afflictions of the brain that come from stress, choking things down. Um, trying to make sense of that that is senseless. Those are all unhealthy things to do. You follow me, Vin?
0: Yeah, it's funny hearing this conversation. Uh, I think you're right about the health benefits. Uh, those are obvious. It, maybe they're not so obvious and we can go into those a little bit more, but I wanted to start off and just talk about the challenges of free thinking. Some of them are really subtle. And one, for example, you mentioned lemmings when you started talking about hurting behavior and group behavior. Actually, lemmings, the entire idea of lemmings committing mass suicide is also a myth. It's something that was made up by Disney. So they had some documentary that they filmed years ago, I think it was in the 50s. And they wanted to show lemmings killing themselves because they're all so dumb and they're all uh, just doing what everyone else is doing. So they staged the scenes and they actually pushed the lemmings off the cliff to their death. <laughs> and they got that on tape. So even that, as an, I mean, that's kind of ironic. Like that example of being a free thinker, it's not being a free thinker because we've bought into this idea of lemmings that came from a corporation that was trying to sell a movie. And... It's something that I was surprised to learn. I learned this a couple of years ago. But I think to me, it's an example of how easy it is to go along with, with the crowd. Because a lot of times, you might not even have the time to check. It's like you hear something enough. And yeah, this is just what it is. This is what reality is. You can't go and check every single thing in your life. Uh, Some things you take for granted, and maybe some things like lemmings, it's not really that important whether you get it right or you get it wrong. So uh, you take your information from the sources that you have, and you don't investigate. But I think what it says to me is that it's not that hard to lead people astray. And if we hear something enough, it becomes common knowledge, whether it's right or wrong. Just the fact that we're hearing it over and over again, it becomes part of our wiring, part of our reality. So when it comes to important things, consequential decisions, that's where we need to start doing some investigation and losing this attachment to an idea, getting away from this sense that, yeah, if I believe something different, then my identity is going to collapse or my social groups are going to collapse. As you're saying, Z, it could be a lonely path. We might alienate people, or even if we don't alienate people because we're intelligent enough to manage the relationships and we can set up boundaries – At times it becomes lonely. I mean, I found it frustrating in certain situations because I can only express certain parts of myself or certain parts of my ideas. There just aren't things that I'm going to talk about in work situations, for example. But at times it's a little bit depressing. It's like, how deep of a relationship can you have? There's part of me which aches to have that connection, to be open, but you can't because it's just going to lead to conflict and it's going to blow up in your face. So that's something that I think is important to understand and manage, getting into this whole uh, free-thinking mindset. The other thing that, that comes to mind when you talk about free-thinking is that it's a bit of a balance, and it's almost two contradictory things or, or two opposing ideas that we have to keep in mind. And I want your thoughts on the best way to go about this. So a certain amount of free-thinking is having courage. It's having that courage to stand by your convictions, to stand against the crowd, to not be swayed in one direction or another, uh, except by the weight of evidence. The more evidence you have, sure, you can tilt your views, but not be swayed necessarily by popular opinion. So you have to be very strong in a sense to do it. But there's also an aspect of humility, because you have to admit that you could be wrong and there are limits to your knowledge, and you're always going to learn something new. It could be that even beliefs that you've grown up with, that you feel very comfortable with, Either they're wrong or if they're not wrong, maybe they're a lesser part of a bigger truth and that changes your outlook on life. So that's one balance, which I think is important. And if we want to really get into this free thinking mindset, what's your advice over there, Z? how do you strike that balance between being, uh, holding your convictions very firmly on the one hand, but two, having that fluidity and that humility so that if something changes, you can shift direction?
1: So the truth of your heart is an intimate thing you shouldn't be intimate with everybody and you have orbits of intimacy and, and we may have mentioned this before you have your 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 soul those people who are closest to you and then everything kind of radiates out from there with different relationship dynamics so if you protect the intimacy of your intellect as you protect the intimacy of your heart you can avoid a lot of the dangers of dealing with uh uh The conflict that arises from being a free thinker. Um, And and, you know, I, I think everyone's had that experience where someone jams you up on the street and they're trying to promote their religious view or something like that. And your natural tendency is to try to reason with the person. But remember, this is an intimate thing, and you can't reason with people when it comes to, let's say, their intimacy or their sexuality. There's no reasoning, it's just what they feel. Feelings have no intellect, and intellect has no feeling. So you want to just read the circumstances. Uh, Develop a healthy strategy and avoid petty skirmishes with people. Um, You see there are things going on in the media. There was uh, some basketball player that got suspended or kicked off his team because he tweeted a like of an Amazon show or something like that from what I understand. And then everybody starts saying, oh, this guy is an anti-Semite. And then, of course, they um, pathologized it and said that all black people have a problem with Jewish people and on and on and on. And it's it's just gotten this full momentum. And no one is really sitting back thinking there are no people in a position of authority that just steps back and say, you know what, the guy plays basketball, let him play ball. Uh, Please, um, let's just get back to playing ball which they do sometimes, but in this case, no. Then they have another uh, situation where, uh, of course, tandeming on to the whole Kanye West thing that's very much in the news. The guy makes music, he's an entertainer. Let me see, did he entertain, did he make it? I mean, that's all I really want to know. I don't really want to know his opinion about astronomy or astrology. I don't want to know what he thinks about physics or, or oceanography. I just need, you know, he's good, his music is good. But if you're, if you're a clear thinker, you don't get caught up in all that stuff. Or, or when you hear about it, you know how to decipher through it. And what I'm learning, because the moment we live in now, and there's the faceless committee, and there's trolls behind keyboards that can do all sorts of weird stuff if you're involved in the internet or whatever. If you have a, anything from a Facebook to a business, they can ruin your life simply by... Uh, by never showing their face or being accountable for their uh, counterpoints to you, and you're not able to uh, even defend yourself. I say it's best not to tell people what you think. Uh, keep it to yourself. Meet people where you can meet them. And avoid this unnecessary involvement with people you're not intimate with. When you do have those familiars and intimates that you're close to you can be free of your heart you can speak your mind you can develop thought you can offer critique and you can accept critique but with people that are outside of your intimate orbit or your familiar orbit just don't tell people what you think don't share your thoughts i I avoid commenting on anything on the internet I avoid all that you there's no there's no upside to it you get in an argument with somebody that never, ever, you'll never encounter, or if you do, they won't—they won't reveal who, their identity. So, what? Why get worked up over that? Historically, we know that the idea of uh, mob violence has always been uh, a common theme. When you get a lot of people together, you say, hey, there's a witch!" Remember they said burn witch. She's a witch, yeah, and everybody says there's a witch. Now they're throwing rocks or kids are throwing at her rocks at her, everything. Poor woman's not even a witch. So we've always had this kind of behavior. But for the enlightened, for those of us who are trying to live well and just live a good life and have as much joy in our life as we possibly can, knowing that any moment, any minute, it can all end. We want to avoid blowing our energy out and it doesn't give you anything back. Don't argue about politics. You're not going to change anybody's mind with facts. You are not going to change anybody's minds with facts. Avoid discussions about people's personal or sexual life. It's not your business unless you live with these people. So who cares what other people are doing? And I would say the other thing, and then you want to protect yourself from the imposition of that. I try to... Navigate around people who are heavily invested in politics. I try to heavy, I I try my best to avoid interacting with people who have some sort of weird social engineering agenda um, and realize that You can not change another person's mind by presenting facts Because people are highly emotional Emotions have no intellect. The intellect is staid and cold. It's stoic. It's dispassionate. It's weights and measures. That's what it is. It's the facts of the moment. So people who aren't comfortable with that will never be okay with those facts. So you got to let them go. At the same time, I would like for us who are opting out to strive to love the facts. I love the data. I love the understanding. I love the measure because it helps me navigate my world. It's just like if you were a traveler, would you not want the correct coordinates on your GPS? So then being going over a cliff and being in a a pristine lake is a few points on the GPS coordinates. I want my GPS coordinates to be accurate. So I like facts. I like data. I like deeper understanding. So sometimes it doesn't sound the way I like it to sound, but that doesn't make it any less the facts or the data. For your own health and well-being, it stabilizes our view of the world. If you have no tethering in your thought processes and they're subject to the whim of disconnected people you are not intimate with, that creates anxiety. Then you'll be forever looking for approval to a place or someone who can never really approve of you. You'll always be a slave to that. What's in today? Am I in with the in crowd? I don't really want to be part of the in crowd. I just want to be around the people that I enjoy. And I'm not longing for the company of random people. And so you see the pitfalls that, the, that people get into when they're sitting around twittering and telling their information, and they have to apologize, and they have to... It's Who wants to be a part of that? That You you go crazy doing it. You lose your mind doing that. Don't lose your mind. You follow me, Van?
0: Yeah, I think this idea about limits is a good one and. In- One thing that I've realized to your point, the reason you can't change people's minds is that they're not looking to engage in discussion or debate or advance understanding. And that's the place that we've ended up in. These arguments are a waste of time because it's all about ego. It's all about, uh, can I reaffirm my own point of view and can I beat the other side down? And can I feel better because I paint whoever is not in my crowd as being an idiot or of limited intellectual understanding or whatever the case is. And because of that, there's no interest in actual discussion, there's no interest in exchanging points of view. And that's why I don't even like the word debate, because to me, our process of updating our beliefs isn't about right versus wrong. A lot of times there isn't a right versus wrong. As we've talked about, the truth is, is something that has many layers to it, and there are different perspectives and it's provisional. Uh, Certain things might apply at a certain point in time and not in other contexts. Uh, The truth is always evolving. So getting to a point of right versus wrong, to me, doesn't even make that much sense. What I find useful is talking to people and understanding their points of view, understanding their life experiences, understanding why they think a certain way. And that might help me update my own beliefs. Uh, But that's a totally different mindset, and that's not a very common mindset. Uh, The the mindset that you're talking about, Z, which is what we see on social media, we see in politics, we see in family discussions, it's I'm attached to a certain belief, it's central to my identity, anyone who believes anything different is a threat to me, because they're threatening the very foundation of myself, and therefore, I need to eradicate that threat, I need to show them how stupid they are, and that's why it turns into a total waste of time. And in worst case scenarios, as you're saying, it can drive families apart. In fact, there was a New York Times article about that, which profiled some family in Arizona where the kids and the parents are living together. The kids can't afford to live by themselves because economically, they're not making enough money. So they're with their parents, but they have different political views than their parents, and they can't even sit down in the same room. (laughs) They can't even have family dinners together because everything is so divisive and heated. Uh, I think of a friend of mine, this is my Nigerian buddy who I've mentioned before, He was in the UK, and he was talking to someone about some political issue. It might have been Brexit. And he said he was having a discussion, and this person he was talking to said, yeah, you know, I'm not really interested in hearing that because it makes me feel uncomfortable. And my friend's reaction was two things. One, he thought it was interesting that this person was shutting down not even opinions, but but anything that might threaten their point of view. But two, he felt like at least this person is aware of what they're doing. You know, he he was actually fine with that because then you know how to deal with that person. You don't have the discussion. You, you know that they're comfortable with a certain mindset. They're going to be threatened by something different than that. They've communicated that to you. So then great, you move on and you talk about something else. But I think the challenge is uh, a lot of times people aren't even aware of their own behavior and uh, their own biases. And you might go into a discussion thinking that you want to – surface different points of view and you want to have debate, but really you have a different agenda. So a lot of this, I think, comes down to checking that ego. I mean, we talked about setting the limits, which I think is important, but something that helps set those limits is checking the ego. It becomes much easier to set those boundaries, avoid certain topics of conversation, avoid these traps where we get into meaningless discussions. Uh, If we approach a, a situation and say, I don't need to prove anything. I don't need to prove that I'm right or wrong. I don't need to convince the world to think the way that I do. Uh, this is my view. If others like it, great. If they're interested, I can share it. If they want to share their perspective, I'm happy to receive it. But I don't have an agenda. So it's, it's almost the intellectual version of approaching the world with an open heart, as we talk about. You know, We talk about being open-hearted and being able to embrace people from a variety of cultures. This is almost the same thing as it comes to our intellect. Uh, just having that openness where we don't need to force ourselves on anyone. We don't need to receive anything, but we're happy to do it. And we're in that happy medium. And we're just part of that flow and that exchange of ideas. And and that's the best, maybe in these times that we can hope for. Uh, As I said earlier, I mean, I find it a little frustrating at times, the setting of limits, uh, just because sometimes you want to be open. Sometimes you want to share what you think or what you feel, but you can't do it. Um, But This will also get your perspective on, I mean, what that means to me, if I look in my own life, it it means that we need a lot of different circles. So we need outlets for different types of conversations. We need groups of people that we're comfortable having those discussions with. We need friends who, even if they disagree with us, they're willing to listen to us no matter what. The friend I was telling you about earlier, he's got a lot of different political views than I do, but I don't care. And I'm happy to listen to him. And he always likes hanging out with me because he never feels judged. That's his biggest fear in life, Then I'm going to judge him for whatever his deviant behavior is or whatever his racist views are. <laughs> but but I, I don't care. I mean, I'm happy to hear what he has to say. And so, you know, having me in his life is very freeing for him because he, he can have those discussions uh, without fear of reprisal. Uh, is, what, what are your thoughts on that, uh, on, on finding the right spaces and maybe getting the right mix of people and situations uh, so that we, we have that ability? Well, situations.
1: well yeah, but- so that- we have that ability. As I'm listening to you, I kind of smile because I like to speak to the opt outs and, and go over our experiences with each other. Um, I, I went to drop one of the kids off at school, and he has a pretty cool teacher. There's some good teachers there, a few that I know. And I, they used to be really uptight. They were real uptight, very formal. Hello, Miss So and so, da 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 da, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm older than most of the teachers there, right? So I'm talking to one of the teachers and we're having a, a, a little conversation. And he was talking about, Yo, you know when you get older? And I said, well, how old are you? He said, well, I'm 40 years old. I said, yeah, the same age as my daughter. You're not old, you know? And we just got to talking and then um, I, I made a joke and he just got rigid, right? It may have been a sex joke, a race joke or something like that. Maybe it was about slow kids or something. I don't know, I just made a joke and he just got really uptight. And I said, hey man, relax. I won't report you. I can't be offended. None of that stuff. And he just took a long deep breath and said, yeah, I kind of figured that, but I wasn't sure. And so we just, each time I see him, you know, I I shake it up a little bit, tell a joke, talk about the world out of earshot of other people. So those of us who are opting out, we want to be around in a healthy, nurturing, and fertile environment to grow our own intellect. You can't do that if you're stifled. You just can't do it. If you can't go to a comedy show and laugh your ass off, there's something wrong with you. And if you're around a bunch of people that there's something wrong with, you're going to reinfect yourself. You're not going to get better. So we want to make it a point to be around people you could have real conversations with without having to put up, let's see, what, what they call a trigger warning, or apologize and ask if it's okay to discuss anything. It goes back to almost the Puritan times where people would hide the fact that they had to go and go to the bathroom to the point where they had digestive problems and all these sorts of things. I think somebody told me a story of a woman who would never go to the bathroom in the presence of her partner or or when they were near and they had all these amazing and unbelievable digestive problems from holding all this waste in their body because they didn't want to be around their partner when they just took, when nature called. So this is a sick mentality. And so we want to, as opt out so we can be healthy and sound as we move forward. We want to navigate around that. You can talk to people. You can do little things. See where their humor is. See how quick they are to apologize or listen to their speech and see if they speak in hip terms, right? If they know all the different um, new words people use for each other, stay away from those people or manage, no, put your regulators up, put your guard up. Protect yourself when you're around people that speak. in what, what, what am I saying? To, Kaylin, you know what I mean? That when people talk, there are terms that come up the most latest term to call a person this or say that or you know uh, you guys were telling me about somebody who was in a trouble or something and it was like okay this is this is too much it's 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 too much let me just navigate around this and and, and drive my boat to the best of my ability and then what happens is we, we we start getting tested to see if we accept certain views certain behaviors or if we're up on it i don't want to be up on it I, I don't want to be, I don't want to keep up with fashion. I make fashion. Right? I don't want to imitate people. I want people to imitate me. I'll set the standard of the look. It reminds me again of when I was in the entertainment business. And uh, the term is trendsetter. Right? People, there are people want to know the trends and there are people who set the trends. When I worked in the entertainment business, I used to wear very comfortable uh, working clothes, things I could move around in freely. Fight. Uh, I had to carry a weapon. I had to do all kinds of stuff like that. In addition to moving through crowds, a bunch of stuffs going on. So I always wore things that that were practical, but somewhat dressy, right? They were. I didn't look like a bum, but I looked like maybe a a construction worker with new clothes on or something, whatever it is, or or some kind of thing like that, and. People would always tell me the latest fashion. Every week, somebody would come in with a box of shoes, a shirt. This is in. This is in. I'd give it away. This, I'm not going to wear this. I'm not going to dress like a clown. It's uncomfortable. It's like hanging down skinny jeans. I can't move in that. I'm constantly checking to see if my butt is out, or I can't move my legs. And, you know, it, it, you can't, I can't fit this stuff. It doesn't fit. It doesn't feel good on my body. So over a period of time, one of the guys pointed out, he said, man, as we did more and more shows, he said, more and more people are dressing like you. I said, yeah, we're, in the, we're kind of in a hip group, as they say. So I was setting a trend, and then everybody started working like they worked in a lumber yard. People started dressing like that. And I started noticing more and more people were okay. You remember when they had the grunge uh, movement? People wore flannel shirts and boots, and things like that. Everybody dressed like lesbians or something. You know what I mean? And that was cool. Because somebody told them it was cool. Is it the way you want to dress, though? Do you feel comfortable in that? And opt-outs ask themselves, is this comfortable for me? I'm not following trends. I don't want to be in with the in crowd. I don't want my cool to be based on someone else telling me I'm cool. And it's very liberating when it comes to the media and the news, it, I, I don't want to be one of those people that just follow groups, but not necessarily being a contrarian, but just think for yourself. I like a lot of things that are on uh, the liberal agenda when it comes to, let's say, save the environment. I, I like think the environment is cool. I don't like things on the liberal agenda when they hide the name of something and it's really something else. I don't like the liberal agenda when it imposes upon my right to be left to hell alone. I like a lot of things the conservative agenda talks about. Uh, the free market, I like the idea of that. Uh, less taxation uh, for people who aren't being represented. I like the idea of that. I don't like the racism, the hatred, the idea that these ideas are never really implemented and they're just simply looking after cronies. So as an opt-out, you can see, you can navigate around things and you, you, then you even begin get to the place where you understand how people came to their view. When you're getting upset with somebody, say, how the hell could you vote for Bernie Sanders? How could you listen to that? How in the hell could you vote for Trump? How in the hell can you vote for Biden? And you start to, under, if you don't do that and just listen, you can say, okay, I could see how that person came to their view. <clears throat> and as an opt-out, we think like that. We want to think. We don't want to react. We want to respond. It was a, a great conversation I had with my nephew. And he's going through a, a, a lot. Uh, in addition to a divorce, there's an issue with uh, one of the family properties. And they had a person move into the property and simply stop paying rent. Just stop paying rent. And so it's getting very difficult, extremely difficult to maintain the property because you have somebody there. So this person, a few things, they got some kind of rental, renter's moratorium, or something like that during the COVID and all that. But no, what they didn't tell you about that moratorium is that it was a moratorium on renters, but not on homeowners. So you still have taxes. You still have to maintain that home. You still have financial liabilities to that property that no one is looking after. And he said to me, I understand why people are going more on a conservative agenda once you actually work and have stake in things. You understand, too, why a person would have a liberal agenda. Hey, if I could just move in a place, sign a paper, never pay rent, I'd enjoy that. The problem is, if I'm a property owner, that's hell on me. So it depends on where you're standing. As an opt-out, we want to really look at all the features of an event and then come to our own decision, yet remaining fluid, right? And so free thinking comes with a tremendous liability. But freedom has never been free. It also comes with unbelievable opportunities. Because you can be like Ali. Right, Vin? Yeah,
0: it does come with incredible opportunities. We talk about it so much, yet so few people implement it. And maybe it's because we don't know how to manage the liabilities. Maybe we have too much of a stake in attaching ourselves to these ideas or in fear of being a social pariah or being cast out by our groups. But if people can take one thing away from this conversation, I would say it's you don't have to be either or. It's not that you either have to follow along with the crowd or you you have to antagonize everyone Uh, you you can do both. If you're intelligent about setting boundaries, about setting limits, about the way you interact with different groups of people at different points of time, you can maintain your own views and you can still figure out how to to navigate through this world without threatening or pissing off all the people around you. So um, I I got a slight crisis to deal with, Z, but I'm going to let you wrap things up.
1: No, That's it. Let's wrap it up. And for those of us who are opting out, uh, work on... Exercise that part of you that's a free thinker, and it starts first with yourself, not looking outside, but go in your own heart and look for where you have rigid dogmas in your mind. And, and a lot of these dogmas are phantoms from a, uh, your past or uh, the ways you were domesticated that may have worked for a generation ago, but they don't work now. Be very careful of the minefield of um, the herd, Try to avoid all herds, be it the herd of race, the herd of religion, the herd of politics. Uh, Police yourself. Maintain yourself. Do your work first. When you're angry at somebody or some group, do a harsh, thorough analysis of your own group that you're attached to. Start with that. Let's clean our own selves up before we ask people to clean themselves up. That's it.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.